thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So uh, what do you cling to? You know, cling film. Um, You know, anyone actually able to use cling film properly, I find when you tear it off, it just, it suddenly just wraps upon itself and it becomes a bit pointless. Uh, But what do you cling to? If I say, what are you clinging to right now, maybe something immediately comes to mind. What are you clinging to? Hope, yeah. But this morning, we're going to look at a character in the Bible called Hannah. And our series is called Let Us Pray. The idea is a lot of people often say, I don't know how to pray. And sometimes it's really good to look at how people in the Bible prayed and use what they used as an example. So actually, if nothing else, you can go away and read these passages over and over to encourage you and to encourage you into prayer. But Hannah was a lady who prayed. But I want to think, first of all, of another lady. This week, uh, has anyone enjoyed the weather? No. Okay, Thursday afternoon was quite nice, I think. It's been horrible. Actually, looking out the window, it looks like it's quite nice outside and the sky's blue. It's good. But... There was a lady in the floods in one area who was clinging so desperately to her car. I don't know if any of you saw this, but she didn't want to lose her car, and the floodwaters rose and rose, and she actually nearly died because she was clinging so tightly to the roof of her car. She didn't want to lose her car, and she thought, if I just stay with the car, then eventually the floods will go down and I'll be okay. And she actually had to be rescued, and she was hypothermic because she was clinging desperately to her car, didn't want to lose her car. And yet, actually, if she'd have moved away from the car earlier, she'd have been okay. But she was clinging to the wrong thing. She should have clung to the safety. She should have clung to the rock, if you like, where it was safe. But she clung to her car. And uh, the word cling can be negative or positive. You know, if you've ever had wet clothes, it's not a very positive cling, is it? It's a bit horrible. It's like, oh, it's really cold, really cold and horrible. But actually... The positive side of things is that we cling to the rock that cannot move, which is Jesus. So this morning, whatever you are clinging to, make sure it's Jesus. Make sure it's Jesus because he is the rock that cannot move. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. And he is worth clinging to. So what do we know about Hannah? We're going to be looking at a passage of of 1 Samuel this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I know many of you have them on your phone. Somebody said, oh, we don't have Bibles here. If you need a Bible, we give them away. But actually, we encourage you to bring your own. We don't want to give them out on the door so that somebody can then just hand it back at the end and never read it again. We want you to bring your own. So bring it on your phone, your iPad, whatever else. Because actually, it's important that you go away and read more. Yeah, it's not just for reading on a Sunday morning. You know, I was thinking this week, I was in a, we were in a coffee shop doing our book group. Uh, oh no, it was a prayer meeting on Tuesday morning with the different church leaders. And there was two ladies at a table nearby where we were trying to pray. And these two ladies were talking about EastEnders. <laughs> Honestly. And I just prayed at one point, God, I hope I have the passion about Jesus that those ladies have about EastEnders. Because, you know, if you commit to EastEnders, I think it must be two and a half hours a week, yeah? It's more than church. 
You know, if that's all you do on a Sunday morning, you know, don't be a devotee and a follower of EastEnders because it will let you down, honest. <laughs> very, very regularly. Um, but yeah, what do we cling to? Hannah was a woman who was longing for a baby. She was longing for a baby. She had a good husband, but he had a second wife. She was loved. She was regularly given a double portion by her husband. I don't know about you ladies, but if I gave Rosa a double portion regularly, she might not be that happy because actually I probably look like I eat too many double portions. But uh, double portions aren't necessarily good, but he loved her so much he wanted to bless her. And he gave her more than she needed. He regularly gave her extra and he demonstrated his love for her. But you know, it wasn't enough because she was longing for this baby. She needed God's love more. She needed God's hand. She needed God's guidance and wisdom. You know, get this right at the very start. If you're looking for love, then you need to start looking to Jesus. If you're looking for love this morning, the only guaranteed place you will find it is Jesus. Because he loves unconditionally. He loves, un- he loves exceptionally. And his love is unending and unfailing. So if you're looking for love, which a lot of people in our world are, look for Jesus. But Hannah longed for a child. And in this longing for a child, she was teased by this other wife. This other wife had children. It seems like she was popping them out left, right, and center. And Hannah couldn't have one. It actually says in the passage that God had closed up her womb. That's very harsh to read. But actually, she was tormented. She was bullied, and she was bullied till she wept. And no amount of blessing that she got from her husband seemed to take that away because it didn't cover the things she longed for. So she prayed. So 1 Samuel chapter 1 Verses 9 to 17 is Hannah's first prayer. There's two prayers that Hannah prays. Hannah's first prayer is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 to 17. And it says this. Once when they, that's Hannah and her family, had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. I'm just going to stop here because this isn't in my notes. But this sitting by the doorpost of the house, the Lord's house, it implies it was sort of a throne for the priest. And he was sitting on his throne. Do you know? He was sitting on his throne in God's temple. But it was a throne made for a human. Do you know? We each have a throne made for God in our life. And actually, we need to put God back on the throne. You'll see later on that the priests and Eli had been putting the wrong things on the throne. Are we putting the wrong things on the throne? Eli was sitting on the throne by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, and here is her prayer. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. My mum and dad didn't make that promise. Okay. They will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, 
How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So Hannah is praying in grief, misery. She just desperately longs for this child. And there's a few lessons we can learn from this prayer. First one is, don't be distracted by other things. You know, when I taught my mem- a member of my family to drive recently, she was driving along this road here, Katie, and uh, she was driving along this road here, and walking down the pathway the opposite side at about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night, was a lady followed by lots of children, and this lady had the biggest pink fluffiest dressing gown on. And she was walking down this road with a big pink fluffy dressing gown on. And Katie was coming this way in the left-hand lane. I've asked her for permission to share this. And as she drove along, she saw this lady with the pink dressing gown on. And it didn't just distract her for a moment. It distracted her so much that she started pointing the car at the lady with the pink dressing gown on. I had to grab the steering wheel because her focus wasn't on the place it should have been. Her focus slipped to something else. And when we pray, it's easy to be distracted. First of all, we have to be still. First of all, we have to be still. We have to pause. We have to stop. And we have to say, God, I want to fix my eyes on you. You know, yesterday, any of you who heard the Emmanuel at the prophetic sessions, he talked about fixing our eyes on what is unseen. That's what the Bible says. Yet so often we fix our eyes on what is seen. And it tells us, fix on what is unseen. In other words, God. In other words, everything about him and his presence. To fix, what does that mean? Well, it means to focus. To fix means to glue. To fix means to cling to. To lift him above everything else. That is what our prayers have got to start with. To lift him above everything else. To fix our eyes on what is unseen. We can be distracted by different things. We can be distracted by our longing. What are you longing for today? You know, as a Liverpool fan, I'm hoping that my longing is soon to be complete. You know, I'm not that desperate that I'm, I'm desperately waiting every season, honestly. But I'm hoping at the end of this season, we'll have number 19, I think it is. Number 19, but anyway. But Hannah was desperate. And I want to say this this morning. Hannah wasn't just desperate for a child. She was desperate to know that God's hand was on her. She was desperate to know that God was with her. She was desperate to know that God saw her and that God loved her. That was her real longing. Her longing was to know God's blessing. Have we got any Hannahs in here this morning? No, she's not here. Have we got any Hannahs? No? Oh, got, oh Hannah, Hannah, hello. You all right? Do you know what your name means? Grace or favor, yeah, okay, God's God's grace, God's favor. Hannah means grace or favor, and yet it doesn't appear that she's experiencing this, does it? Doesn't seem like she's feeling this because she's desperate to know God's grace and favor. Yes, she wants a son, and yes, there's a physical longing, but she has a greater spiritual need, and she is longing for God's favor. 
And interestingly, she longs for a son and promises in her prayer to hand him over for God's service. God, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. Seems a bit crazy, isn't it? To want something so much that when you get it, you then give it straight back. Yeah? That's, that seems crazy. But that shows that Hannah wasn't thinking about the child as much as she was thinking about God. Her longing was for God. Her longing was for God's favor and grace. Is that our longing today? Is our longing something physical that we can see, touch, and everything else? Or is our longing for something that is unseen? Is our longing to see God's kingdom come on earth? Is our longing to see God's will in our lives? Is our longing for God to be in everything? That was Hannah's longing. That was Hannah's longing wasn't about the focus. The sun, the sun isn't the focus. So whatever you're longing for this morning, don't let it become your focus. Put your eyes on God. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Then all things will be added. Yeah? Don't fix your eyes on the longing. Don't be distracted by your wants. Don't be distracted by the things you're desperate for. Instead, be desperate for God. That was Hannah's prayer. So as we come to pray, pray out of our desperation for God and humble ourselves before him. Hannah is more interested in knowing God's hand on her life than what he's going to bless her with. That's what she's looking for. Is that our attitude? Not all the time, I think, is it? Our attitude is for God to bless rather than what we're going to get. As we pray, hallowed be your name. As we pray, God be glorified. As we pray, no matter what else, God, you be lifted high. Be enthroned upon the praises. Be enthroned in my life. Even if it causes me to struggle. Do you know, the book group are reading a book at the moment by Francis Chan called uh, Letters to the Church. And this week's chapter was all about suffering. Hey, who wants to suffer? No? Okay. Right. Um, no? Okay. Nobody wants to suffer? Do you know, Jesus taught it a lot. A lot. And we can't escape from the fact that the Christian life, if you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, it's not going to be easy. The promise is it's going to be hard. But it's going to be worth it. If we fix our eyes on him that is above, he's above everything. Not just above this problem and that problem, he's above everything. And we can fix our eyes on him. He talked a lot about suffering, that to follow him will cost. But don't be distracted by the cost. Don't be distracted by the cost. We might have to change things in our lifestyle in order to follow Jesus properly, in order to really say, God, you are above everything. We might have to change our attitudes. We might have to change what we say, how we live, because God is worth it. He's not interested in this tiny bit of life we lead. He's interested in an eternity that is there for you and for me. Don't be distracted by the cost. Instead, focus on the cross that he bore. Focus on the fact that he's paid the price, so we might take it up too. We can be distracted by other people's remarks, yeah? Other people's comments can distract us, can't they? Yeah? Yeah? All the time. In fact, actually, you know, I can be talking now, and somebody can whisper something in your ear that they found funny, and you can be just, ah, forgotten what I'm talking about. We can be distracted by other people's comments. They can throw us off our focus. Someone once told me, that, that someone once invited me and Roz for a meeting, and, uh, for, for tea actually, and we thought, oh, that's nice, we're invited for tea. Who likes being invited for tea? I do, yeah. yeah. The, the, hands up if you like invited for tea. Okay, good. Who likes inviting other people for tea? 
all right, match yourselves up. Go for it, you know? Okay, I'm willing. Just come and see me afterwards if you want to put a date in my diary, as long as you're a good cook, because I don't want to suffer in that way. That's fine. But we like, you know, we like being invited maybe for tea. And somebody invited us for tea, and we thought, that's really nice. Just a young couple. And we had this nice meal, and we thought, this is really nice, really nice. And at the end of the meal, as we're sitting there thinking, oh, this is really nice, they said, oh, that person you're working with in the youth team, uh, they don't like you. It was like, seriously? The tea was really nice. I'd rather have left at the pudding, thank you very much. But somebody, somebody doesn't like you. I mean, I know that's really hard to believe, isn't it? But, but somebody really... I mean, you're all sitting there going, no, not at all, Johnny. Regularly find that way. Somebody didn't like you. And you know, from that day forward, every time I was with that person, all I could think in my head was, you hate me. What can I do to make you like me? I probably tried even more and made him hate me more. But he doesn't like me. And all I could be distracted by was that comment from somebody else that I could never shake off. I could never shake it off. And you might be sitting there today knowing that you've been distracted from God and from what God wants by other people's comments. Don't be bullied by other people. Don't be put down by other people, but be lifted up by God. Fix our eyes on him because he will tell you what's what. He will tell you what's what. He will give you what you need. Do you know, in this story, Peninnah goaded Hannah. You've not got any kids. <laughs> Look at me. Got loads. Peninnah made Hannah's life a misery. And you might think of somebody who's made your life a misery. God doesn't make your life a misery. Because God lifts you out and above into his presence. And we are able to cope. You only need to look at the persecuted church to see that. People who are rejoicing in their suffering. People who are rejoicing in being thrown into prison and being beaten because they love God. You know, if things got tough here, would we see this building full every Sunday? I bet we wouldn't. But we need to recognize that God is in everything. The good and the bad, he's with us, and we can fix our eyes on him. Peninnah goaded Hannah. She bullied her so much and put doubts in her mind that Hannah wouldn't eat and found it really difficult to pray. Do you find it difficult to pray? Maybe it's because of the distractions of others' comments or the distractions of what you're longing for. Maybe your prayers you feel haven't been answered. Well, it's your first prayer to say, God, fix my eyes on you. God, be my vision. God, be my focus. Is that our first prayer? Because it needs to be. And then all things may be added that we need. He will change our mind and change our lives. Maybe Peninnah even told Hannah that her reliance on God was pointless. Anyone get that? You know, why, are you, why are you going to church? What a waste of time. Why do you believe in God? <laughs> you don't believe that rubbish, do you? And maybe that puts doubts in your mind. Maybe it starts to make you question. Nothing wrong with questioning, but keep coming back to God and saying, God, what do you say? Because God will know a heck of a lot more than the people who tease you. God will know a heck of a lot more than the person who's putting doubts in your mind. Why? Because he knows it all, he's made it all, and he's there in it all. So God is above it. Yeah, we see this regularly in the Bible. Job, was, Job had all these stuff happen. If you've never read the story of Job, he loses everything. His house, his family, his servant, his animals, everything. And his wife says to him, curse God and die. But he was no. And we've sung a line from it this morning. He says, no, God gives and God takes away. And I will still say, blessed be his name. I will still choose to say, blessed be your name. Or Ian, this morning as we prayed, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were 
thrown into a fire. And before they went in, they said, even if God doesn't save us, we're not going to worship you because we worship God. Even if, even if, we will not be distracted from the God we worship. What distracts you from God? Because you need to get rid of it. (laughs) And you need to put your eyes on things above. You need to fix your eyes on the things that stop us from being... You need to fix your eyes on the things that will lift us above the things that distract us. So Hannah is not swayed. You know, God may not answer our prayers in the way we want, but he always hears them. And he always changes our hearts as we look more and more to him. Third, don't be distracted by... Don't be distracted by false accusation. Have you ever been accused of something that wasn't true? It can really stew up inside you, can't it? It can really churn away and you can think, that's not fair. And you can distract yourself from God because you're focusing so much on that lie that you forget about the truth. So when somebody comes at you with stuff, go to God. Fix your eyes on what is above. You know, as we read this passage, the background is this. Things were not going great in the temple. It says that Eli, the priest, and his sons were wicked. And actually, it said they they didn't even know who God was. They didn't hear God. They never heard God. It's not a great place to be a Christian or to be a Jew in this time even. Can you imagine if we as a leadership team in this church didn't know God, didn't hear from God, and we're just going through the motions? It wouldn't be worth coming, would it? No? Some of you think it will be. Maybe some of you just got distracted by the lovely colors behind me. But things weren't going good in the temple. It was a holy place. Maybe Eli's accusation of, you're drunk, tells you that people were regularly turning up in the temple drunk. Maybe even coming in the temple, drinking from their wine glasses or whatever. And Eli was just used to it. These babbling people coming in going, talking rubbish. But Hannah says, I wasn't drunk. Do you know there's another link to the New Testament here? Do you know the first gospel message that was preached in public started with these words? I am not drunk. Because God sometimes gives us that excitement and that joy and that life that doesn't look all serious. God isn't all serious and religious, you know. Yesterday, again, uh, we were told yesterday, the more controlled and measured people are thought to be the most mature. Yeah, have you heard that one? The people who are the most together, they must be the most mature. That's not biblically accurate. It's the people who are wild, radical, and and a bit bonkers who are the most mature. You know, look at some of God's prophets. They got naked, lay on their side for days on end. People must have thought they were mad. The most mature isn't necessarily the person who's the most together, who is measured. Don't hear me wrong, being bonkers isn't also a measure of maturity, okay? I need to say that. So don't just think, right, the more bonkers I act, the more I'm going to get on the leadership team. It's not going to happen, okay? Although some people, maybe Shirley gets there for that reason, but we'll see. (laughs) Shirley's lovely, but Shirley's mature, aren't you, in Jesus? That's right, I don't want to offend her. Okay. But yeah, yesterday they were said, you know, the first sermon started with, I am not drunk. Why? Because they must have appeared really merry and joyful. Why? Because they had God in them. They'd been filled by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the power of God. They didn't need something artificial to make them merry and jolly. They were full of God. And God is joy. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, all that that they sang upstairs before. When God's people appear to be spirit-filled and look intently towards God, they have the same accusation. People often call us happy clappy. I've said this before. It's been said apparently this week again, you know, big deal. I'm glad we're happy. 
And I'd rather hear lots of us clapping because actually it's a sign of joy. When you go to the theatre, the best shows end with the most claps, don't they? The best shows and the best actors and the best songs end with a standing ovation and woo, yeah! So why shouldn't God get the same? Because he's better than any show. Because he's real. It's not just a two-hour act. It's an eternity. And he brings great joy. What do we see in this birth of Christ? Tidings of great joy I bring. The shepherds go away, joyful. The man who's healed in the temple goes away leaping and dancing and praising God. Why? Because he's full of God. And yet so often we take it for granted. We just think, oh, I'm turning up to sing a few nice songs and then I'll go home and have my roast dinner. No, be filled. Because when you're filled, you'll know what it's about. When you're full of God, you can't want to look anywhere else. We look intently to God. You know, for Hannah's first prayer, what time are we? Oh, my word. Hannah's first prayer, the second prayer, I've not got quite as much to say about. It's okay. Hannah's first prayer teaches us to be real with God. Are you real with God? Hannah brings her longing to God, but her focus was still God. Yeah? We bring our longing to God, but our focus still needs to be God. We don't cling to the longing. We cling to God. We cling to the one who is in whatever our situation. We cling to him. We need to get honest with God. Hannah's prayer teaches us to get real. Do you ever get real with God or do you think, oh, I can't say that to God? God knows what you're thinking. Just give it him. Pour it out. He's listening. He hears. He knows. He knows where you are. Give it to God. Cry and weep bitterly if necessary. That's what Hannah did. She cried and wept bitterly. Tell him our longings and be bold. She was bold, wasn't she? God, if you give me a son, I'll give it back to you. I'll give it back to you. If you give me this, I'll give it back to you. Be careful of making promises because you have to follow through with them. And as we see, Hannah does. Hannah's second prayer comes in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah has had a baby. She's called him Samuel. And she keeps him till he's weaned. Part of you looks at that and thinks she's thinking, oh, maybe I will hold on to him. <laughs> you know? But actually, her husband says, keep him till he's weaned. And then we're going to give him to the temple to, to raise now, any parents in here, don't you get any ideas, okay? We are not keeping your children and raising them, okay? It's not happening. It's your responsibility at the moment, okay? 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 11 says this, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Yeah? Different prayer now, isn't it? My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. See, she's not still thinking about the longing. She's still focused on God. Whether it's the blessing or the difficulty, her focus is God. I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice. There's beside you, God, there's no one. There's no one holy like you. There's no rock like our God. Verse 3, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. Why? For the Lord is a God who knows. Hannah is confident in her God. She knows that he knows. And that's where we've got to come to a point of if we fix our eyes on him, then our confidence will be in him. If we fix our eyes on stuff, our confidence will be in the stuff that gets taken away and we lose. The bows of the warrior 
are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pie away. That's interesting, that. She who, has, who was barren has seven children. She gives Samuel to the temple, and later on she has six children. God blesses her with more because he's, she's given everything to him. So when we seek God's kingdom first, he will bless. He will also bless us in difficulty. We're not saying that it will all be good, but it will be blessed because we've got God first and foremost. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor for the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. In other words, everything is God's anyway. So give it him. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. You're not going to win anything in your own strength. But by the Spirit of God. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Alkanah, that's her husband, went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. So what do we say about this prayer? What do we finish with in this prayer? First of all, rejoice in the Lord. Yeah? Fix your eyes on him because you can always rejoice in him. You can always rejoice in Jesus. Always. No excuses. Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Prayer of thanks. God has granted a request and she's about to leave the one thing she's ever wanted. Do you know... It's interesting that Eli and his sons are terrible leaders at this point. The Francis Chan book says we mustn't assume that somebody who's in a position of authority is actually deserving to be there. People who are in a position of spiritual authority, so please look at me and say, chuck him out, that's fine. But it's not about me deserving to be here, it's about God's grace. You know, we're all part of the same body. We all have a role to play. We all have important things to do. And Eli and his sons in this chapter are terrible leaders. But Hannah doesn't cling to the longing or the blessing. She gives it away. Because her longing is for God. Her longing is for God. In fact, she actually keeps the connection to Samuel. She visits him every year. She takes him clothes. She doesn't just abandon him. But she recognizes she has to release him to God's service. And you know, when we honor God, he will bless our dedication to him. It might not look like the blessing you expect, but he will bless our dedication to him. He will give us satisfaction. He will give us joy, even in difficulties. Samuel is also blessed. Later on, we see he's a man who doesn't waste words, and he's a real man of God's people at God's time. Hannah prays and makes several decorations. She says this, rejoice in God. The Lord has made me strong, one version says. She says, no one is holy like God. We can pray these things, yeah? If you don't know what to pray, pray these things. No one is holy like God. She prays, the Lord is a God who knows. Samuel is desperately needed in God's house at this time, and God knows. So he prepares it and provides him. And Samuel becomes a great leader, a great man of God, in a time where the leaders are just falling away. Samuel comes to live at the temple at the right time and be the right man. He brings the nation's focus back to God. Hannah goes on to pray this. It is not by strength that one prevails, 
And then she prays, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And I finish with this. And some of you just looked up and thought, yes, great. <laughs> this verse, it says here, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Do you know, this is the first time the word anointed is used in the Bible here. The first time. The horn of his anointed. This is the language of choosing kings. Isn't it interesting that in Hannah's prayer, she talks about choosing a king. What does Samuel go on to do? He's part of the process that God uses to choose the kings. Yeah? He's the one who anoints David. God's chosen. It's the language of choosing kings. But not only that, but the word used in Hebrew here is used to mean anointed, but it's also used to mean Messiah. It's also used to mean Messiah. In fact, the Greek translation of this word is Christos, which is where we get the word Christ. Do you know, in Hannah's prayer of thanks, Jesus is promised. As she gives a boy back to the temple who is going to choose kings. Let me ask you, have you chosen who's king? Have you chosen who's sitting on the throne? Have you, have you chosen to fix your eyes on Jesus? You know, if you're still not sure how to pray, I'm just going to give you something really good to look at. It's called the Prayer Course. There's loads of resources. The website is prayercourse.org and it's the tool shed. There's 30 different things on there about prayer, little things you can look at and study. And there's actually a whole course. I don't know if the videos are available, but the toolshed is prayercourse.org and it's toolshed. So when we pray, we actually know what we're doing. <laughs> Simple, direct, bring our longing, but most of all, fix our eyes on him. So when we pray, don't let situations distract us from the fact that God is good news. Don't let our situations distract us from the fact that God is good all the time. Don't let what others think of our praying be a distraction to stop. Don't let someone tell you that your praying's not good enough because you're just talking to a friend. Don't let somebody else tell you you're using the wrong words to pray because that's nonsense. God's happy if you just say, Dad, or thank you, or Jesus. Pray. Don't let situations distract us from knowing that God knows. Don't let your situations distract you from knowing that God is listening. And don't let our situations distract us to stop. You know, when we pray, we need to cry out in tears and rejoice with laughter. We need to do all those things. And we don't cling to the blessing or the difficulty, but we cling to Jesus. We cling to the rock, the rock that can't be moved. And we declare, just like Hannah, as we pray, it isn't through our strength, but in his. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And yet, sometimes as a church, we've been scared of the Holy Spirit. By his Spirit, we'll see transformation. By the Spirit of God, we can see his strength. And through his grace, mercy, and spirit, we know that we're heard and we can be victorious. In fact, you know, the Bible tells you, if you're his, if you're his child this morning, that you are more than a conqueror. Not just a winner, you're more than when you see that insurance advert, more than, know that you are more than. You don't need Morgan Freeman to, to advertise it. You just need to know that God makes you more than. More than a winner. Winners are pretty good, aren't they? But you're more than. More than a winner. We don't cling 
to the longing. We don't cling to the blessing, but we lift Jesus high. Yeah? So when we pray, we lift Jesus high. When we pray, we fix our eyes on him. When we pray, we can bring our longing, but first and foremost, we are longing for him. And let me tell you this, Jesus is the king that is worth exalting. And if you don't know him, then get somebody to introduce you to him. Because he will transform your life. Not make it easy. Not even always make it better. Sometimes it makes it worse. It makes it harder. But eternity will be better for it. God isn't so much as interested in what's going on in the next 70 years of my life. That's going to be an old, that's 30 years. Let's go 30 years. Let's be, let's be conservative. But God is interested in my eternal life. And where are we going to spend it? With him as king or with ourselves as king? Because that's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. What are you clinging to? Cling to him. Cling to him. Let's pray. As part of our worship, we will take communion. We do it to remember Jesus, to remember his body given, his blood shed. If you know Jesus and what he's given for you, then this morning we just want to welcome you and to take this in remembrance, to remember what he's given, to remember what he's done, to remember who he is, that he wasn't just a man, he was the son of God. And he gave it all for us. So Father God, this morning I pray that we will know what we're clinging to. I pray that we will know what we're chasing after. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to see in difficulties and in blessing that if we fix our eyes on what is above, on what is unseen, on what is eternal, then actually there's nothing better we can look at. So help us not to be distracted. Help us not to... Be like the seed that's sown and then strangled by the weeds or the seed that's sown and then taken away by the birds. But Father, let us, be, let us have seed that is sown in our hearts that grows and brings a crop of hundreds of other seeds. Father God, may we be a people that depend on you and regularly learn how to pray so that our relationship with you becomes more. So God, this morning, we thank you for Jesus and we lift him high. We exalt him and we ask that you will make us aware of who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.